Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Nilesh Makwana is an Indian-Australian author, public speaker and business entrepreneur with a passion for social impact. Nilesh is the CEO of the global award-winning business Illuminance Solutions. Nilesh was born and raised in a small town in Gujarat, India. Today, I'm talking to Nilesh about his book, Terminal 4, an entrepreneur's journey from bicycle to business class. Nilesh, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Nilesh, take us back to the beginning. Tell us about your upbringing in Gujarat, India. I was a naughty boy <laughs> in Gujarat, not interested in studying, uh, cycling around the small streets and uh, uh, selling stuff on the bicycle, always interested in uh, doing business, not confined into the classroom. My father has been the best father ever because he never forced me to do anything. He always allowed me to, you know, uh, make your own path and decisions. And uh, as long as you are being respectful to elders, you are being kind to others and uh, not doing something illegal, uh, he's happy. <laughs> uh, so, so my childhood, I would say that I had a, I had a great childhood playing around in the street, uh, but getting into trouble sometimes and being naughty in general, you know, like when you are young kids, you, you always uh, up to some some mischievous things but mostly i was interested in in uh, business and selling stuff and uh, making money and i didn't need the money at that stage because family provided everything but i was still interested in in uh, more entrepreneurships rather than being inside the classroom you know so childhood was more entrepreneurial childhood i would say <laughs> now this book it's a, it's kind of a book full of lessons i suppose and one of the very early funny moments of many funny moments in this book is this lesson from a cow. Yeah, well, you, I'm, I'm not sure if you've been to India, but uh, if some of the listeners might have been there, you would have seen that uh, in the movies or, or when you visited the country, that cows are sort of integral part of the road. And they're always there uh, in the busy street. Uh, traffic is going around and the cow is always in the middle of the road, sitting there very calmly, uh, not bothered by anything what's going around, sort of like in a meditation state. Uh, or sometimes it just walks past regardless of what traffic or who's coming, who's going. It just crosses the road and everything has to stop for that cow, you know. Uh, so I, I actually always used to watch them and admire them and say, how cool are they? They're just on their own. Uh, they're doing what they need to do. Uh, they're not bothered about the traffic or anything on the road. Uh, and they just go for their destination. And whenever they want to sit down, they sit down in the middle of the road. <laughs> and the traffic flows around that, you know. So I, I had a life like a cow a little bit that I just uh, sit down and stop my bicycle. And, uh, you know, in Australia, we say you can stop and smell the roses sometime. And, and if you want to go somewhere, you just go and let the traffic fall around you. Uh, you want to stop somewhere, you stop and, and let, let the environment exist to that. So I think uh, cows are great uh, to watch and admire and, and see that how they operate, what they do. And, and you can learn a lot from them, you know. <laughs> The subtitle of this book starts with your bicycle. Tell us about your first bicycle and what it meant to you. Well, I, I had a, 
red bicycle which was uh, not red when i bought it uh, it was a ladies bicycle you know you don't have that pipe in the middle and uh, it was second hand uh, my father uh, i complained a lot that i need a cycle uh, he he got me for 300 rupees which is like 6 dollar that's a good deal yeah and then my grandfather sort of uh, helped me paint it red uh, and it was a ladies bicycle but i didn't mind and it had a little bell which was my favorite and i used to have a little radio which uh, played uh, all the songs and news and everything so i carry that radio in my cycle and some stuff to sell and i was more mobile and and free to go around and and visit more places in the city and uh, meet new people sell more stuff uh, certainly i had a freedom you know <laughs> uh, so bicycle was my favorite part and and i think uh, later on in life uh, when i travel the 54 countries around the world and uh, i'm sitting up 50 40000 feet up high in the sky on the business class and thinking to myself that uh, it's quite a journey let's talk about your childhood education you say you repeatedly failed at school what do you put that down to and how do you view that now from your position now I would say there were two reason why I was repeated failure is the first is the exam system the the way it works in India is that uh, you have to memorize stuff and you wrote learning yeah you just have to memorize and and on the day just put it out on the paper and then you just forget next day you know and and I I couldn't do that I I just um, I have to understand stuff in order to explain or write or or give an answer and i'm more practical learner rather than theory so i have to do things practically and experience it before i can actually read about or, or put a theory onto it but at the same time my learning style being different uh, i was not interested in much studying because i was interested in what's happening outside the classroom what's happening outside in the world learning from the environment observing things uh, looking at different people different businesses different shops what's happening out there rather than sitting in the classroom looking at the blackboard you know <laughs> let's turn to the moment when you decided to take education more seriously and i love this little quote from your book i lost everything in the earthquake sir you told the principal of the rims international school at the entrance interview tell me about that moment it was at end of dot com bubble burst uh, in 2002 when i was doing website designing and and running a business uh, but at that stage it was downturn now i was 5 years 6 years out of school not finishing school o level and my auntie she was a head of french department in jaihind college in mumbai and she kept on forcing to say you must finish your 10th standard at least school you know don't worry about the college or university just at least finish the school nilesh and she kept on encouraging me and then i said to auntie that look auntie i want to go to london that's my dream and i always believe that one day i will fly to london uh, and i saw this advertisement in the times of india newspaper where it had a tower of london and the flag of uh, uk and and uh, uh, it says uh, cambridge international examination a level uh, cbse board so i said uh, i would love to do this uh, let's find out more about that so when they did they said this quite expensive school actually it's it's uh, international examination and the entrance exams are quite tough in there uh, you have to have a really good record to get into the school so when we went for an admission i had to make up the story and i said you know what i'm just going to say sorry i don't have anything to show 
So when the principal asked me, this is where is your record of past nine years of your studies? I said, it's all gone in earthquake. And there was a recent earthquake in India. And I said, I lost my family. I lost my paperwork. I'm an orphan. I just need an admission, you know. <laughs> and, and the principal had a sympathy and he says, okay, let's give this boy a chance. And that's how I managed to get into the school. But it's not easy to, in, in India to get into the school system. You know, uh, there's millions of kids out there trying to get admission. And the entrance fee and the entrance exam all can be a lot of barrier. And especially if you want to get into a really good school and everything. So I, I had to be creative on the spot and find a way to get inside. And, and that was that moment which changed my life forever. Although I had to lie a little bit. Uh, but uh, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, white lies uh, ma made a huge difference. Even the principal is still in touch with me. He's he read the book. He's quite impressed and, and he's quite proud of me what I achieved and everything. And inside his heart, he knew after a while, he's not alone, you know, <laughs> he's not orphan. <laughs> well, it's a very original idea and a great way to get where you want to be. But let's talk about the moment when you finally got to London. What was it like? Was it what you expected it to be? Uh, no, no, no. I think, uh, you know, when, when you when you have this imagination and uh, you you expect that, wow, it would be a glorious place and you'll have a, a queen there and, you know, all the things you see in the movie and everything. But it was cold, dark, grey, dull, rainy and, and freezing all the time. And lonely too, I understand. And lonely, yeah. Yeah, very lonely. Uh, uh, you know, it's a busy city and you, you have no sort of family there for you you are on your own uh, you have to cook clean shop work study if you fall sick you look after yourself so it was a very uh, shocking my father did tell me that it's not going to be easy for you are you sure you want to go there i said yes i want to go there but he's he asked me he says not you're going to be on your own there and those relatives not relatives but the friends of the family uh you expect that oh they'll be there they'll look after you but they're busy with their own life you know over there and then they, they don't come and stand by you or, or look after you as you expect, because you have a high expectation that I know a few people when I go to the new country and everything, but they have their own life. Uh, they, they don't want to just drop everything for you and then come and look after you. Uh, so it was, it was a different experience. And then many international students, when they come to the new country or migrant, uh, they, they get that little shock that you are on your own, you know. <laughs> And when you finish those studies, or at least your formal studies, and I was intrigued by this chapter heading, Let the World Be Your Classroom, after all of that, you landed a job with an airline, KLM. How did that change your outlook? Oh, man, that was a very big deal, very big deal. I applied 360 application for to get the job, and I had a 35 failed interviews, and 36 interviews I passed, and I got the job. So it, it was one and a half year of constant effort to get the job, not easy. But once I got that, that changed my life forever. I was Mr. KLM in an amazing uniform with the three-piece suit and a bag and a belt. And uh, it's the same uniforms, everything the same as the pilot of the airline. The only thing you don't have is the wings on your, you know, uh, on your name badge. Uh, so they have wings and I don't have the wings on my name badge. But everything else is the same. So you, you look like a pilot. If you walk into the supermarket... Nobody would know that you are not a pilot. It's like, catch me if you can. And I was in love with that uniform. So I enjoyed that for six years. And I abused the staff travel system and traveled the world. And uh, that's where the world became my classroom. You know, from those small streets in Gujarat on a cycle and bicycle, I was out and about. And, and as, uh, as much as I can cycle and bicycle, I can go around and, and uh, go as far as possible. 
But with this airline job, now I can go around the world as many continents, countries, cities possible. And everywhere I went, I learned so much. After all that great travel experience, you finally arrive in Australia, the lucky country, the land of the fair go. Was it the fair go for you? Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, every migrant and every international student uh, goes through the similar sort of challenges and everything. But I, I was determined to not lo- let those uh, early hiccups, uh, which everybody faces, as uh, slow me down. And, and I found uh, many different ways to overcome those challenges, started my own business from day one, became your own job creator. Rather than a job seeker, I became a job creator. So I think being an entrepreneur, uh, you can overcome a lot of challenges. When you have that entrepreneurial spirit and you really want to contribute back into the community, then you start to get a fair go. That's, that's when the people start to come around and say, you know what, uh, you're helping yourself and, and we want to help you because people help those who help themselves. And if you are determined, you are uh, focused, you are committed and you are community citizen in terms of giving back, you are being a servant leader. People will come around you. They will support you. They will stand by you. And and that's what happened in this country, that uh, anything and everything I try to do, uh, I always made sure that I'm looking after the others first. And by then, I'm also looking after myself. Uh, But I would say, was it easy? Not really. Uh, But was it uh, impossible? Not really. No. Great opportunities here. A lot of migrants have come and made it big here. There's many stories like me out there. Since being in Australia, you've been the recipient of many awards, including Disruptor of the Year at the Australian Computer Society Digital Awards. That seems just right for you, a disruptor. The 40 Under 40 City of Perth Award and the Global Microsoft Partner for Social Impact. All very impressive. These are great awards, great achievements. Has it been about achievements for you or is it the journey? It's, it's still a journey. It's always been a journey. And, and I'm just having a great time of my life. Uh, and I was when as a child and now also. Uh, but these achievements, actually, it's great. It's, a, it's good to get recognized. Nobody says no that, hey, I don't like the recognitions and awards and everything. But what it gave me, that global award, national award and, and state award, a lot of awards happen. Uh, people started asking me questions, like, do you do anything else apart from winning the award? You know, <laughs> and you have so many awards. Uh, but what it gave me is sense of uh, uh, responsibility that now I have to actually do more because sometimes you get recognized and awarded and, and you feel, oh, guess, I, I don't know if I deserve it. I need to do more. So it, it kind of puts the pressure on you. It's, it gives you a little stress as well that now people expect more of you. Because once you win the one race, then they say, oh, what's next, you know? And, and that's something my family doesn't, I'm fortunate that my family doesn't put a pressure on me. They're happy whatever I achieved. But in general, in public out there, they always ask the question, what's next for you? I mean, come on, I, I did what I did so far. Does it have to be next now? Can I just stop and just enjoy, <laughs> you know? So sometimes the award can put a lot of pressure on you, uh, but also it gives you a sense of purpose that, hey, now you have to continue to live up to that recognition and brand and global recognition you have received and you have to do bigger and better now. But I always remind myself, no, it's not always about the next big thing or next, next big award. Uh, enjoy what you have received so far. You got that because you were doing something right and you continue doing that. And that's what I've been focused on. So I don't think anything has changed for me. Uh, I, I, I had to remind myself that I want to continue doing what I was doing before. 
and not let this. A lot of people said, "Hey, you should you should milk this opportunity to raise funding. You should milk this uh, awards and and uh, this recognition you have and the media profile you have. Your attention is there. You can actually leverage this right now. The timing is perfect. To, uh, you have a global award in your hand. You can do whatever you want with it." Uh, and I said, "No, can't I just just relax and just enjoy it? <laughs> why why do I have to milk milk the opportunity? You know." And through all this, you actually still get out your bicycle and go for a ride. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are in, as long as you have the, you know, health with you to keep doing the bicycling, it, it keeps you connected to the city and environment and you feel really different. When, when you go in a public transport, you are part of the community. When you are driving on the road, you are isolated. Uh, although it's comfortable, but you are isolated. But when you are on a bicycle, you are not only part of the community, you are connected to the environment and the nature and the air uh, around you and, and the breeze which comes through around the river. Uh, it's just, it just makes you feel that you are here, you are part of the nature and, and the world takes you in. So I think riding a bicycle is, is a lot of meditation type sort of thing for me as well. Terminal 4 is a story about real-life experience with all its highs and lows, its successes and failures. And I noticed that after each chapter, you reflect on your experience and you offer some useful advice. But in the broader sense, what do you want people to take from this book? I wanted to put it out there that you, if you believe in something and you have the uh, desire to achieve that, uh, nothing can stop you as long as you stay persistent. So I wanted to show that power of being persistent and uh, um, overcoming any of the challenges you might have, whether it's the language barrier, money, or not getting into the school or failing into the business, going homeless and then starting again, or finding a life partner, business partner. It's all possible. It's just that you have to not give up. And what's happening in India right now is that uh, students uh, who fail 10 standard exams, they're committing suicide. And uh, recently, last week, uh, there is a NEET exam, which is the medical entrance examination. So just because the student was stressed about the exam, committed suicide before even appearing for it. So my message through the book is that you don't have to end your life. You don't have to stress about it. All you need to do is just be persistent and you'll get there. Uh, and I have shown again and again that how a lot of unimaginable things has happened with me and what are the things I have achieved, despite of all the odds against me. Uh, I have managed to overcome those. And, and the message is to have a go, keep going, and especially be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurship uh, allows you to overcome a lot of challenges in a new country. Uh, and and you, you can be your own boss, you know, many ways. Now, Lesh, it's been great to talk to you. And thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. No, thanks for having me. It's been a great to chat with you. I've been talking to Nilesh Makwana about his book, Terminal 4, an Entrepreneur's Journey from Bicycle to Business Class. It's published by Popular Prakashan, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.